morning. And don't let me don't let me put my own stuff in it, Lord. Let it be your will. Let it be your words. Um, let it be your spirit moving. I pray the folks who are here would hear from you and know you more, um, that we would uh, know Christ by by studying the Psalms today. Uh, praise you for, for the blessing that your word is and the fact that we can know you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I... Um, I, I took my son out. Y'all, y'all know, like, I, I, am, I, I, I love my kids, and I take them, like, I'll take them out individually on a regular basis. I'll do a daddy-daughter date. You know, and yesterday was a father-son day. And so I, I, went to, I went to take Titus out, and the first thing he did is I was getting ready to go. I, uh, I got a new pair of sunglasses the other day. And, and he, was, he was arguing with me because he wanted the sunglasses. He's like, Dad, can I have those sunglasses? I said, no, I, I need a pair of sunglasses. When you drive, you can, you know, but until then. And so we, we had this back and forth, and he was really excited about my sunglasses because he's five. Um, and I, I took them, and I walked around the house for a while with them tucked into my shirt so I wouldn't lose them, right? And... And after, like midway through the morning, as I was getting everything ready to walk out the door, like we went out and we watched a movie and we ate lunch together and we played and, and stuff like that. I mean, it was a really fun day. Um, as, I was, as I was wandering around, I look over and Titus is sitting there with a pair of his Paw Patrol sunglasses hanging on his shirt. And, and I, I couldn't help but notice, I mean, he followed me. And he, he imitates me. And, I mean, he is this tiny little person, Right. He's getting taller now, but, but he is this tiny person who, um, who watches me and wants to be like me because he doesn't know any better yet. Um, <laughs> and and I, I had this realization, like, and we spent this day, like, we ate together and we played and we sang songs together in the car, and he sat in my lap through most of the movie and ate most of my popcorn, which I forgive him for, mostly, um, <laughs> and, and, you know, this whole day of, like, like bonding, you know, and he just... You know, he'll say, well, Dad, you like this, so I like it. You know, oh, you like that song, so I like it. Oh, I love this movie because you liked it. And he'll look, we'll go into stores, and he'll be like, Dad, I want to get that for you. Because he is this, he's this mini version of me. Isn't that weird? You can see, actually, if you watch during the potluck, um, Daniel Wee will carry around his, his baby. Um, and it, like Michael introduced me to it, it's his mini me. You know, mannerisms, facial expressions. He is mini Daniel. Yeah, just put him on a copier. Um, um, and so, as we dive into Psalm eight, there is an awful lot in this psalm. And I'm I'm starting out with this, with this story, with this talking about my son, because Psalm eight is a psalm about knowing God, right? And it is, it is really cool once you start digging into what's going on with it. Like, it's a song that we know because there's, like, a popular song. You all know that, oh, Lord, Lord, how majestic is. Like, but there's so much more going on. And there's a bit of background here as we get into it. But, like, like it is a psalm that is all about having a relationship with God. And, and it, like, once I started to figure that out, once I started to read and study and dig, there's so much cool stuff here. Um, for starters, this is a happy psalm. Which is neat because, like, for those of you all who have been here the last few weeks, every Sunday, like, for the last month, every psalm is, oh, Lord, people are trying to kill me. You know, oh, Lord, the sky is falling. Oh, Lord, I, you know, I am running for my life. Please save me. And this is, like, right in the middle. Suddenly there's a happy one. And that is fantastic. Right? Like, it is, it is, a, it is a 
you know, moment of, of deep, deep breath. And it, it's actually well-timed because this is a Singspiration Sunday where we, we do music a little different and we worship a little different. And it's well-timed. And I didn't do it on purpose, though I would love to take credit. Um, so the ancient world, like a little more background here. In the ancient world, um, there was a very different understanding of how deities worked. And the Jewish faith was wholly unique amongst ancient religions, because for the majority of ancient religions, people were not really high up on the scale, right? The majority of, like, ancient, like, pagan um, stories of where man came from, it is either as an accident or convenience that, that the gods created men. Like, um, for, for followers of, of Baal, if I'm not mistaken, Baal, like, people were created when Baal gets into a fight with his wife and, like, one stabs the other and people are bled out. You know, and that's where people came from. It's, I mean, it, it or like um, um, another common one of the period, like people were created as slaves to the gods to tend to the world. Um, whereas the Jewish faith, like, like you know, the, the Old Testament, we're given a picture of a God who desires to know and have a relationship with his people. Like he doesn't want slaves. He wants his people. Um, And he refers to them in affectionate terms. He calls the nation of Israel his bride. I mean, like, there's this huge connection there that's about intimate relationship. And that's something that carries through into the New Testament. The church is the bride of Christ. We are Christ's friends if we, you know, follow him. Like, we are, this is a a central theme to the Judeo-Christian faiths. Um, There's one more thing here real quick. Um, In the book of Exodus, we are given a moment where God reveals his name. Y'all are aware of this, right? Um, Like where Moses is about to be sent to free the people from slavery. And Moses says, hey, God, who am I supposed to say sent me? And God said, I am who I am, right? Now, a God in the ancient world, like the ancient world, they believed that if you knew a God's name, you could control him, right? Like if you were actually privy to the name of a God, you could make that God do whatever you wanted. And for the most part, like up to a certain point in history, religions hid the names of their gods because if you knew the name of God, you could control him. And so you don't want the enemy to find out God's name because he would control him. God's name, on the other hand, is I am who I am, right? Meaning God reveals his name so we can know him. And then he says, but you know what? I am pretty much me, and you ain't going to tell me what to do, right? So like the ancient gods, like the pagan gods were afraid, oh, they'll control me if they know my name. But God says, you can know me, and I want you to know me, but understand, you ain't going to run my life. You ain't going to tell me what to do. Everybody with me? That makes a difference, because as we dive into Psalm 8, we're going to do the the superscript. It's not usually given a verse, but um, I always... I've started tacking it as verse zero. For the director of music, according to Githith, Githith, my Hebrew is terrible, a psalm of David. Githith probably means a particular tune. So, like, um, you know, according, sing it to the uh, Amazing Grace theme is basically what it means, right? Or sing it to the Gilligan's Island theme song, you know, tune or whatever. Like, it is probably a tune. We don't know. It's a pretty obscure word. We're guessing. Right, But the best guess I read, like, like as far as the linguistics, I mean, if you really want to know it, I can dig into it, but I don't want to, and nobody else wants me to. Um, <laughs> it is probably a tune. So this is a psalm David wrote, um, and it's set to a particular tune that everybody would know. So we start out 
Lord, our Lord. Now, in Hebrew, there is a really cool thing that happens here that is totally obscured by translation. Um, Lord, O Lord, we assume that that is three words, two of which are Lord, identical. Everybody with me? But that's not what it says. What it says in Hebrew is Yahweh, my Elohim. Ooh, that's two different words. Why do they translate it that way? Well, it starts with the Hebrews. The Hebrews were afraid to write God's name, which is ironic. Now, we're, don't you think? We'll get there and say, like, they were afraid to write God's name because there was a command against taking the name of the Lord in vain. By the way, that is pointing to this ancient pagan belief where they would be like, hey, if I know God's name, I know Mar- Marduk's name, I can, I almost said Marmaduke, I know Marduk's name, I can make Marduk do what I want. Or I know Baal's name, I can make him do what I want. And God says, you know what? You can't make me do what you want. Don't pretend you can. If you do, that's wrong. Everybody with me? That's that commandment. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. So, O Lord, Yahweh, our Elohim. Now, like the reason that they would change it to Lord and in the ancient Hebrew, like when they would translate it, a lot of times they would take out parts of it or they would only spell part of it. Or um, you would see when they translate it into Greek for the LXX, which is an early translation of the Bible. Like uh, anyway, um, they changed it because they didn't want to write out Yahweh. Right. Um, But it is. Yahweh, like your name, God, intimate, I know who you are, right? Um, Our Lord. And so the actual phrase here is like, God's name, you are my boss. You are my Lord. You are my master, right? And that's a very different opening. It really is, especially when you say, how majestic is your name in all the earth? And so, like, when he says, how majestic is your name, he's, like, emphasizing the fact that, like, God, your name is a big deal. And it is a big deal because you revealing your name is how we know you. It is the fact that I can know you at all. Um, I love, uh, I love movies. There are a bunch of movie, like, like actors and, and characters and, and whatnot that I just absolutely love. Um, one of my... One of my favorite directors is Steven Spielberg, right? And I, in fact, I was talking with, um, with uh, uh, Daniel about Steven Spielberg earlier. And like, as you, you know, we're talking about this movie he made, and like, like where he references a whole bunch of his other movies. And as you watch, you can be like, oh, that's a Steven Spielberg thing. That's a Steve. And I was proud when I watched this movie because I was like, I caught all of these references. I know about Steven Spielberg. Guess who I don't actually know? Steven Spielberg, right? Like, I could call him. If I had his number, and he would answer the phone, and he'd be like, who is this? Isn't it true? Like, I can know about all kinds of people, but to truly know someone is a very different thing. When he says, Yahweh, our Lord, how majestic is your name? Part of what he's emphasizing is, like, your name is above all. It is a huge deal. You are the creator. You are holy. You are awesome. Like, there is royalty surrounding you, and I know you. Like, I know you. Like, to know the living God, the creator of all things, the guy who hung the stars in the sky, that is amazing. You have set your glory in the heavens. Now, he starts out with the earth, and then he says the heavens. You've set your glory, like your set apartness, your worth, your value. Like, glory, again, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that glory means weight. And it was used to refer to, like, like treasure you would get after fighting a battle. 
So you sack a city and come away with a bunch of gold? <laughs> That's your glory? Our glory is God, right? Um, and so you set your glory in the heavens like this distance, like everywhere that there is, your name fills it. You are everywhere. Um, I'm going to jump over. I have a bunch of verses here that I added in. Are these even going? Yeah, they are, but my slides are not. Doggone it. Oh, there it is. Um, Hebrews. uh, Yeah, it's up there. All right. (laughs) Hebrews. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. The previous verse, that uh, Exodus thing, was just God revealing his name. I am who I am. Um, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir to all things. And through him also, he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty in heaven so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he had inherited is superior to theirs now real quick why did eric include hebrews here because the psalmist is talking about this relationship and this knowledge and this intimacy we have with god and how we can know god which is totally unique in the ancient world Um, but hebrews unpacks something better for us when god showed up as jesus he gave us an even clearer picture of who he is, a perfect representation. Um, Sometimes we live in a culture that says, well, God is this sort of like amorphous idea that's out there, and we can't really know him or know what he's about. He showed up, right? Like he showed up and he walked amongst us. He like healed people who were like sick and dying. He, you know, used the bathroom sometimes. He like got hungry. He had sleepless nights. He, I mean, like all of these things, like, and that was the progression of the creation. Like the whole creation was like aimed at this God coming amongst us and us knowing him. Like it's the focal point of all of history, right? Like it's Jesus showing up and dying for our sins. Um, the reason I'm including this is as we talk about this psalm, Like, the big, big, huge idea to draw away from this is, guess what? God loves you. God wants to know you. And God, through Jesus, will go to any distance to know you and to be intimate with you. Like, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. When I rebel against God, it creates distance, a chasm between me and him. And in Christ, I can know him. Like, not only does God reveal his name, he walks amongst us. And in Christ, he makes us clean so we can be his people. Like, and you have to earn it by working really hard, right? No. We are saved. We are made clean by faith through grace. Grace is a gift we receive that we cannot earn. We don't deserve. We can't pay back. It is a gift. And so in Christ, we see this. Like we see God in fullness. Um, I'm going to skip over. I have a John verse I was going to include, but it's time-wise. In John, actually, we see where where Jesus refers to himself by God's name. He says, before Abraham was born, I am. And, like, the people try to kill him because he... But, like, Jesus refers to himself by this because he is God. Like, that name we're given, that name we're, like, like that's handed to us, um, God revealing himself, like, it is perfected in Christ. And then in the spirit, like, God dwells in us, which is even more amazing. So verse 2, oh my gosh, he's 15 minutes in, he's only to verse 2. 
Through the praise of children and infant, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Now watch this. Titus is learning to fight, which is like every little boy does this, right? Anybody ever have a little boy that doesn't like kick your, you know, do little boy things? Like I, and so I, I just say, well, I'm going to teach Titus how to throw a punch just in case he needs to ever. And so like the only person he's allowed to hit is me. And so I'll sit on the couch and I'll be reading a book and he'll walk up and he'll, bam, punch me in the head. <laughs> and then he'll laugh and run away. <laughs> and, and like he is learning to do this. The reason he is able to do this is because Titus weighs about, I don't know, eight pounds, right? Like, and when he punches me, he cannot hurt me. Well, actually, he has managed it once, and we had a long, stern discussion about where not to punch daddy. Um, <laughs> but that's a total aside. <laughs> um, but he, he's not tough, and he is not strong. Like, he, is, he is strong for his size. He is awesome. I love my little boy. I am so proud of him. Um, but he... He is a child. Um, we don't think of children as strong. And that's the reason that this, like, like the psalmist draws this out. The word actually here is baby and like a toddler or infant and toddler. Um, when they praise, they bring about strength. Why is there strength in that? Because Titus is most strong when he gets me to do stuff for him. Right? <laughs> when Titus says, Dad, pick this up. And I do it, Titus is strong, right? Like vicariously through me. Um, God's strength is established in our like reliance and obedience to him. You all with me? Like Paul actually says that in Second Corinthians. When I am weak, then I am strong, right? My great, uh, strength is made complete in your weakness. Um, and Paul says, like, uh, therefore I'll re- rejoice even more when I'm weak, because when I'm weak, then I'm strong, because God acts when I need him to act. Um, like, we can know God, and beyond that, we can step forward and say, God will act on my behalf. God is strong. God is powerful. God is mighty. God is almighty. He's the creator. And when God acts, like, like I am strong. And so my praise and my reliance on God and my turning to him and saying, this is my guy. My dad can beat up your dad, right? Um. That's when we're, like, our strongest. And, like, the psalm acknowledges this. Like, God's real strength is when we need him. God's real strength is when we rely on him. God's real strength is when we retreat to him. Um, Against your enemy, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avengers. Meaning, all right, so I have a card game that no one will play with me. Because there's a card game where you argue about the outcome of a fight. You know, and you, you, different superheroes or different characters in movies or, or books or whatever. And no one will play with me because I am really loud. I, I know it's shocking. And to take it a step further, I'm kind of obnoxious. <laughs> wow. No one will play with me. Um, this, is, this is the truth. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't argue. Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, the, uh, like, when my children decide to argue back, if I decide I'm going to raise my voice and push, guess who stops talking? They do, right? Plus, I have dad voice, which is this, like, superpower. Um, and so, like, like but the, the psalmist says, listen, the strong, 
the avenger, the powerful, they have to shut up before the folks who are praising God. Abby's going to tell me later, you said a bad word in the sermon. Um, they have to stop talking. They're put to shame and silence before, like, praise of our God. Um, that is a powerful thing. Think about that. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set uh, in place, what is mankind that you are mindful him, of him? Human beings that you care for them. Now watch this. Um, Ecclesiastes, and I have a verse, but I'm not going to read it because uh, I'm chewing up too much time. Uh, Ecclesiastes has this, this idea that they present over and over again. The human beings are like this puff that passes by, right? You ever spray? I, my kids wanted to wear perfume and cologne today. And so you spray it, and it's just sort of there, and then it's gone, right? And then they walk around stinking for half the day, and then, like, eventually that goes away too, and it's replaced by the other stink they use. Anyway, um, like the, the human beings, like we are this passing vapor in the world, we are this like, like flowers in the field where the sun comes out and eats them up and they're gone or it hails and they're gone. Um, we are just this passing thing. And you know what? Like God is still mindful of us. And actually Jesus tells us that he's so mindful of us that he has counted the number of hairs on your head. Like who are we that God would look at you, this thing that is just going to puff away having spent barely a blink of an eye in existence, and God knows your name, tells you his name, counts the hairs on your head, watches out for you, cares for you, makes sure that you're taken care of, like God loves you that much. He is mindful of you. That is grace, right? That is God's love for you in action. Like you want to see it, the multiplied version of that is that Christ came and died for people who are not only a puff and a breath, but rebellious and offensive and filthy. Like, it is amazing that God loves us that much. And we don't deserve it and we can't earn it. And God is just that fantastic. Like, if you're going to praise God, like, this is, this is the way to do it, right? Um, verse 5. Um, you have made them a little lower of the, than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. Meaning, when you take this and turn it into something it isn't. Um, God puts man in a very special place and makes man very different from the rest of creation. Human beings are made in, anybody know the answer to this one? In God's image. This does not mean that God has two arms and two feet and, um, you know, great hair and, you know, all that. Like, it doesn't mean that that is who God is. What it means is that, like God, we are capable of relationship, right? We are moral actors, like we make choices, and we are put in a position where we care for the world around us and the people around us. When, when, uh, um, oh gosh, I'm gonna draw a blank now. Uh, killed his brother, Abel, Cain. When Cain turned around and said, "What am I? My brother's keeper?" God says, "Yes, you are." Right? Because we are a little lower than the angels. We are in God's image. We are image bearers. And we have this responsibility to care for the people around us, for, to watch out for the weak and the helpless, to feed people who can't feed themselves, like to take care of the creation, to make sure we're not destroying it, to make sure that we're like glorifying God through our use of it. Like everything we do, like we're given this glory and honor by God. And to be in God's image is a glory and honor. I always joke when my wife says, oh, you look just like your dad to, to Titus. I say, poor kid, right? 
But this is the opposite of that. Nobody's going to laugh at that, really. <laughs> but this is the opposite of that, right? This is, you look just like your father. Oh, wow, what a compliment. Like, the best compliment I, I think I ever give folks is, like, you act just like Jesus, right? You look just like your father. You are imbued with, like, moral, like, decision-making. You are imbued with the opportunity to have relationship and to love and to sacrifice and to be selfless and to care for people who can't care for themselves and to defend the weak and to, you know, all of these things. You are in your father's image. You are crowned with glory and honor, and that's what that's about. It's not that, look at how awesome you are. It is you were made to look like God, and that is honorable, right? That is a glory beyond what any of us deserve. Um, you made them rulers over the works of your hands. By the way, this is what I just said, right? Like we are put over the creation to take care of it. We're put over the creation to watch over it. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild and the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. Now, he lays all this out. You want to actually, I, one of my favorite things to do here is that Larry and, and, and Anne are very friendly about letting me wander around at their place. Right? Like, they'll let me come out and hike or shoot at rabbits or, or whatever. And, like, one of my favorite things to do in Montana is to walk around and just, like, absorb. I mean, this is a beautiful place, right? You know, we, we may not have a Trader Joe's supermarket. Um, but I can go out and I can sit on a hillside and watch down as the sun shifts position in the skies and see the coolies change colors. And I can watch antelope wander through them. Like, I can see God's glory at work, right? I can see God praised by his creation just by being beautiful and amazing. This is this great gift that God gives us. And like, like what the psalmist is saying is, look, God, you put us over this. You gave us responsibility for this. There have been times in the past where this has been used as an excuse. Oh, well, of course we can cut down this entire forest. God made us stewards. <laughs> um, it means we have responsibility. Right? We care for, we protect, we protect each other, we care for each other, we like like sacrifice of ourselves. This is a huge deal. This is what we're here for. Um, and this is a part of knowing God. When Titus walks around with his sunglasses that he absolutely doesn't need because he doesn't drive, um, when he walks around with them hanging from his shirt and doing his dad impression, um, I can't even do it because my microphone's in the way. Um, when he does this, this stuff, like, and he imitates me, this is what we are designed to do. We are imitators of God. We're imitators of Christ. We are made to be in his image and to glorify him and to know him and have relationship with him. Um, on the drive home yesterday from our day out together, my son kept recapping things that we did. Like, Dad, remember we did this? That was awesome. Remember when I did this? Are you proud of me? Remember when I did this? Did you like seeing me do that? I did this, and it was just like what you do, um, which is probably spilling all over himself. But um, this is who we are as people, guys. Like, and the distance, like this is what Christ died for, really, is so that we can know God intimately. We can know his name. We can enter into his presence knowing that we're made clean and pure and holy and right. We can stand before him and marvel at his creation. We can look around and say, oh my gosh, you know, God, you are amazing artist. You've done such beautiful things in the world around us. And I don't know anybody that stands and look at the creation around him and says, that don't impress me much, Right? 
we're blown away by this. I don't know about you guys. Maybe you are. But like when I stand and I think, what is God that he would think of me, that he would send his son to die for me? And I look at the creation around me. I say, oh, my gosh, I am blown away by this. And knowing God makes it better. Right? The psalm ends where it began. Lord, oh, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Um, and it, I think it's awesome that it ends with this because he says it, makes this statement, Lord, Yahweh, Elohim, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And then he says all of these things. God, you have taken care of us. You've allowed us to know you. You've given us this beautiful creation. You've made us just like you and put us in responsibility over it. Like you have given us this grace. Oh, my Yahweh, Elohim, how majestic is your name and all the earth. Like he comes back to it because like having made his case, it's true, isn't it? Like it is a home run line. Like it is the perfect ending to it because it explains it. Man, like, wow, God, you are amazing in Christ, in the creation, in everything, in your concern for us. You are amazing. We're actually going to close, um, Rebecca and, and Larry, normally we don't close with a song, but this is one of those psalms that I figured if we don't sing it, it's not quite right.